Now we're recording. Hi! Hi! Howdy! <laughs> My name is Paige. I plead the fifth if I didn't write it down. Nope, Paige. If I didn't write it down, I plead the fifth Waylon with my co-host Sheila. Um, Sheila fired up something. Bring the fire. Is that my first no. one? No, my first ever. No, it's Sheila. I just want to do bad shit in oh, here. Oh yeah, Sheila. I just want to do bad shit in here. So weird. It's the only fucking third person. <laughs> I know. Sheila, I just want to do bad shit in here, Silvis. Sheila. Just want to do bad shit in here. And in our little hashtag studio. <laughs> yeah, our special guest today is... Shaggy, hello. Hello. Um, it's a pleasure to be here today with you guys, and it's a pleasure to talk. Wait, we need to say what we're doing. Okay, you're listening to We Are No Alamo, the podcast. Um, we are a mental health organization trying to make everyone understand that we're not, you know, we're not, you are not alone, actually. There you go. We're no Alamo, you're yeah. not alone. We're still working on it. We're it's raw. We're creating an environment of people to come and find their resilience in their own path of life. And we're here to support that and whatever it may look like. For each individual, it's going to be pretty diverse, and that's where the gaps are found in the systems that are trying to help large groups of numbers. We're a small nonprofit organization, literally in the back room of a house, starting out with a podcast. Um, now we're now recording. We're Hmm. What did you touch, Sheila? Sheila! I didn't touch anything. It just stopped. It wasn't you this I know. Well, this is why. We're closing the gaps in society about the ignorance shed on mental illness, and and we use the term MI. Yes, we're changing that. Don't act like it's, oh, it's one of those name-changing things. Like, we can't call prostitutes prostitutes. They have to be sex workers. No. It shows a little bit more respect. Just call it MI instead of mental illness. People with mental illness in society today, in my opinion, are looked at as less than and fragile and, like, they... I'm not going to get political, but there's that whole gun thing going on, your mental health and stability. So, yeah, we call it MI for a reason because it gives us a little bit of power back because mental illness is not just one thing you have or you don't. It's a whole spectrum. So, yeah, that's what we're going to be referring to when we say, am I? And on a personal note with that tying into how people are viewed as different because they, you know, have assorted, as we've been saying, am I as assorted mental illnesses, uh, this is something that I can personally attest to as it being the reason that I stopped going to my last job. Right. I was working at Wendy's. I worked there for all of a week, and over that course I'd seen... A direct quote from even um, the district manager was he had called the police on a homeless lady who was sleeping in the grass, and whenever confronted about it, asking why he did it, his exact words were, uh, "You know those people are normally mentally ill anyway," and he was. We are those people. Why? I mean, I think those people was more as a jab towards the fact that she was homeless, which was also. A okay. personal thing to me, being as I am personally actually, in between wait, homes. We're right being now. really rude. Would you mind introducing yourself? Okay, no, it's it's fine. Not at all. I didn't expect a formal introduction. Mm-hmm. Cool. Um, Let's do it, Sheila. Since you know him better, like how did you guys get to know each other? 
Um, what did you have? What was that instrument called in the Mm -hmm. hospital? A stick dulcimer. A stick dulcimer. So he is shaggy stick dulcimer. (laughs) I'm a traveling... I I was a traveling musician or a vagabond Yeah, shaggy and the traveling dulcimer. 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 Shaggy and the traveling dulcimer. Mm -hmm. Wow, Do that point. sounds like a mm-hmm. new medicine. Do not try. <laughs> if you, you will experience everything to be amazing. <laughs> and I've been heard that uh, my presence has that, you know, effect on Oh, people. it totally has been. Like, this if whole I time, like, trying drug, not to talk to you. If I was a drug, I would be... I would be one of those crazy Freddy <laughs> We already forgot what it was. <laughs> okay. Traveling Drink. Dulcimer. Oh, shoot. Okay, every time Sheila burps, we have to drink. So, cheers. Okay. I'm gonna need another glass unit at that rate. I'll do the first. I'll do the first salute. Wait, I'll do the first. Stop! Stop! This is the point. I'm sorry. So she burps because she's gassy. But Ah. if we're sharing a glass of wine, cheers. Number one, thank you for sharing a glass of wine with me. My pleasure. Um, Then you just have to drink and say what you're thankful for. So I'm thankful that you're here and that Sheila finally burped because on the intro podcast I had to burp and she was like, (laughs) "No, you can't burp. I have to be the person burp." I'm like, "Okay, I'll swallow it down." So (laughs) cheers. Um, well, at least you guys know I'm not full of hot shit. air and yeah. shit. Yeah. <laughs> Y'all took that to completely different directions. Not full of shit. I guess we're going for air. what we're thankful for at the moment. I'm, I'm glad to be here back in Austin and with good company. Yeah. I'm really glad to be here with you guys. But how are you good company? Today. We keep getting off the point. I'm going to keep us on track. No, we're good company. Mm-hmm. Yes. I'm saying I'm glad to be here with you guys. Y'all are good company and it's Aww. good to have... Good people around who I can talk to. You are cute. When we were pulling up, and I was like, where is he? And I was looking for your car, and she was like, no, Paige, he's homeless. I was like, oh, yeah. Oh, I see him. (laughs) Dude, just chilling there against the light Your hair in the wind with your hat Mm -hmm. and your Scooby shirt. I'm like, oh, my God, you guys are going to have to check out the Instagram picture of him after we Mm -hmm. post this podcast. It is perfect. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we had tacos before this. Had some little chill bonding before we get Mm -hmm. to see so I met Sheila in the hospital, obviously. Which is also Dana. where I met Sheila, funny yeah. enough. And then you got, and then did you do, I feel like this is kind of a friend letter chain kind of thing. Like, Sheila was being real shitty to everybody the morning after, and I was like, oh, they're like, damn, she looks fun. I'm going to be nice to her. So then I was like, go hang out with Nikki. Nikki and Sheila mm-hmm. got together, and then afterwards we all met up. And then you, Emma, Leah, and Lizeth all know each other now, too. So it's like one of those mm-hmm. letter card things. Pretty like, much. Ew, what is it called, the letter cards? What are they called? I'm not sure. You know, you write each other. Like pen pals? Pen pals, yes! It's like a pen pal. It is. I like think it's almost come more out like a game of, of telephone. Of, yes, like we come out of kind of our uh, psychological prison. Mm-hmm. Yep. And meet back up with the people we friend up and we can be in our extremes with our Mm -hmm. friends with our MI and like there's no repercussion of Mm -hmm. you need to go to a hospital no go walk the hall what did they tell you to do did they tell you to do anything they understood that like a lot of of the reason I was in there was situational um so long story short uh my mom had put me out on the streets and I was planning on staying in Houston for a week to say my goodbyes, and then I was going to hitchhike out to California first, and then north up to Oregon, and just try to settle down and restart, or restart my life. 
and I ended Barbary up... Barbary sort your life. Yeah, more or less. They both were. The same. But, uh, <laughs> but, uh, I was telling one of my friends who'd actually just recently moved from Houston to Austin about the situation, and he was like, well, I'm driving out there tonight. If you're going west... Hop on, hillbilly. Yeah, pretty much. Right. And, uh, I ended up in Austin that night. I Good, spent a couple of phone. nights with his friends. Um, and then they kicked me out the night before they said they were going to. And it was just a weird situation. See. And, like, I slept behind a dumpster that night, and it just really got to me. I went to the hospital that morning for some... It was diabetic treatment. It wasn't severe, but it was an episode that I wanted to catch before it got oh, yeah. severe. Do you mind explaining your health background? Um, health background? Um, your diagnoses? Just, yeah, I'll just history. go with my full diagnoses. I'll go down the list. Then um, end with your social security number. <laughs> <laughs> But, um, I was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes when I was 14 years old. I was diagnosed with depression and anxiety at 19. And then I was diagnosed with PTSD, honestly, just about two months. Honestly, I was diagnosed with PTSD uh, the day before I met Sheila. Oh my gosh. Inside, hit a, inside hit a Austin up. Lakes? Five. Yeah, they di- they officially diagnosed me as PTSD in Austin Lakes. It's the hardest diagnosis to get, right? It took me seven years to get diagnosed with PTSD as well. I mean, so, I've, uh, I've never been diagnosed with it. I've also been told from a very young age I have dysgraphia, What's which that? is a hand... You know dyslexia, right? You letters get jumbled up. Dyslexia? Yeah, she totally has dyslexia. I do. So, okay. It's in the similar... It's in the same family of disorders. And there are, you know, I think four or five disorders in that family. There's dyslexia, dysgraphia, dyscalculia, um, dyspraxia. I have, um... Dys... Er... Bomb. There's so many Oh, man, I'm completely drawing a blank right now, um... Dysgraphia, dysgraphia. That's yeah. the one. I was never officially diagnosed, but uh, it affects. It effectively limits my hand eye or my hand eye coordination and fine motor skills. Do you mind if I read it out loud? Go for it. Go for it. Give dysgraphia us dysgraphia is a deficiency in the ability to write, primarily handwriting, but also coherence. Hmm. It's a transcription disability, meaning that it is a writing disorder associated with impaired handwriting and the storing process of written words and processing the letters in those words as well as finger sequencing required to write. Interesting. Exactly. So, I'm... I have the same... Oh, wait. So, how many diagnoses is that? Five? I believe six. Six? What are yours, Sheila? One. Minor... Bipolar one. I also thought I was bipolar for a while. Really? That my dad has bipolar, so he... Like, diagnosed? Diagnosed. And he grew up telling me, like, well, you might be showing some symptoms, you might be showing some symptoms, and it took me years later knowing I'm that something's not right to go to a doctor, and they were like, you're not bipolar, you're depressed and anxious. Yeah. There's a difference. There is a difference, and sometimes as somebody who isn't exactly experienced in medical health at that... or mental health at that point, right. they might not be able to tell the difference, which is... It ties in a lot to my opinions on uh, self-diagnoses, largely. Because you have to go in, and it's mm-hmm. not a 1 to 10 scale. You can't just mm-hmm. circle numbers. Are you sure your AC on isn't fucking with the sound? That's why I turned it. I turned the thing down. Because I think the 
We're gonna pause real quick. Instead of like cartoony. As far as the voice goes, like well, I'm we're trying to talk back now, so I was talking like a real person. <laughs> oh yeah, I guess we're back. Hi we're guys. We're back. Hi, we're talking about. We're talking about a childhood experience of mine. I was supposed to be a voice actor on Nickelodeon for a show called Learn to Play, and um, I'd been cast as one of the main characters, and it was just a show about good sportsmanship and being kind and to each, each other. other. Exactly, <laughs> and. uh... We got our pilot episode recorded, and I think at first it was already planned to go ahead, but then Nickelodeon just ended up pulling the plug, and the show never happened. And we were just kind of talking about, like, you know, some They're lost. They're lost. Stories. They're lost. Yeah, it's whatever. I want to get back into the theater here soon. I feel like the theater is... Oh, man, I totally feel you. A great place just for general self-expression. Yeah. Which is something that I feel like everybody needs to have and not enough people look for anymore. Why do you say that? I feel like, you know, any sort of association with the arts gives somebody some sort of outlet that a lot of people don't even know they might need. Right. For me, growing up, my mental illness hit me at a real young age. And there were just a lot of things. Sorry. My MI hit me at a Oh, and... Age. Ding, ding, ding. Thank you for apologizing. Mm-hmm. So, reach behind you. I told you to hold this jar mm-hmm. before. Give it a shake. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so what... It's called an accountability jar. Okay. And what it is, it's a Pavlovian method for you harnessing your self-respect. Okay. Let's look at it this way. You are running late for a meeting, and it's raining, and the traffic's bad, and you're late for a meeting. You run in, like, I'm sorry, mm-hmm. I'm late, da, 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 da. You, like, lose a little of your own self-respect, your self-worth, because, mm-hmm. you know, you could be like, you know, weather's bad, let's start the meeting. Mm-hmm. No apologies. It's fair. But we find ourselves all the time, like, apologizing for things that... That we don't, don't necessarily need to apologize for. Exactly. Is, now I understand the accountability. Yeah, so it's not that we need to be sorry about it, it's that we need to... Just own up to that it happened and avoid the future. Avoid it. Or avoid it in the future, I mean. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, Or even not avoid, just to acknowledge it and Mm. try to teach others about it. So if you apologize for things that don't need to be apologized for, that's 10 cents. But because you are homeless... (laughs) I don't even have change on me And also, people, like, we hang out all the time, right? Mm -hmm. So we have buttons. Okay. It's a Pavlovian thing, right? So, take your button, and do you remember what you apologized for? I remember exactly what I apologized for. Uh, saying mental illness rather than am I. Yeah, and then apologizing mm-hmm. for saying that. Cool. Put it in that jar, dude. We'll do. Get that button in there. Cool. And then we actually just hold everybody accountable for it. Okay. <laughs> um, but uh, I think I was saying uh, my am I hit me at a very early point. I want to say I was in 6th, 7th grade. And, uh... Oh, wow. How old is that? Do you remember? Like, 11, 12. I didn't even necessarily know that anything was wrong at that point. I was like, oh, I guess this is just something that everybody deals with. Oh, my gosh, right? I didn't realize that, you know, these thoughts that I was having, like, maybe I should start treating everybody like shit. So that way, once I end up dying, nobody will feel that's bad. there's that absolute, isn't it? Once. Mm-hmm. And at that point, like, 
with the depression also hitting at, you know, such a young age, I had suicidal ideations from a very early point that I had a lot of problems actually coping with. So a lot of it was, I should treat everybody like garbage, just so that when I end up killing myself, nobody's going to miss me and I don't have to feel guilty about it. Right, because suicide, or, like, what are they called? No, um, they don't call it committing suicide anymore. Really? I haven't heard. What do they call it? I don't don't think I've heard anything about that. Um, anyway, continue. Yeah, like you, the suicide Mm -hmm. is a guilt thing. Mm -hmm. Like, is a shame like, you're leaving and this world out of the shame mm-hmm. of society, right? Mm-hmm. And I don't remember who I heard say this, but it was somebody, he was giving a speech, I saw the video on Facebook, and one of his quotes was, um, I feel like the gene associated with artistic talent goes hand-in-hand hand with the one related with depression. And it was just one of those things that kind of hit me, because I remember, like, as a child, once I started struggling with the depression, I started writing poetry. And that was how I... It goes back to what I was saying about uh, self-expression. Right. And the poetry and that form of self-expression and so many people noticing it and finally noticing that there was something to be said, at least. I feel like if you... Everybody has the ability to do that in some way. Through poetry, through visual art, through screenwriting. Just a creative outlet in Exactly. General. A creative outlet where you can put literally anything on paper and there is no wrong. I feel like is a very important thing just for everybody to have for the sake of their own good. I just... That's such a big mm. thing. I just don't know how we could just be like, <laughs> let's all jump, jump, dive in there. Oh, hi, Sheila. Welcome back. Did you leave it on? Yeah, it didn't sound like that. Okay. So, we're back with Sheila. Hey. Hey. Mm. Okay, so you're talking about guilt and shame. Like, Oof. instead of, no, not like mm. that. It's oh, just okay. like about yeah. committing suicide. I said there's something mm. else out there. Like, we're changing the lexicon from mental illness to MI. Yeah. Um, but also committing suicide mm. instead of saying that because committing is like you committed a felony, you committed something, okay. you did something to me. Like uh, completing a suicide. Okay. Right? So you're not mm. committing a misdemeanor, you're completing mm-hmm. your life, ending. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. we call it a suicide attempt, mm-hmm. or an attempt. Okay. You hear what I'm saying? Mm. But you really missed a lot, Sheila. I heard everything in the bathroom. I was just washing my face because I felt like oh. it was sticky. Good. So you missed nothing. No, I heard it all in the bathroom. Okay. So I have a question for you. Go for it. Are you thinking that the mental illness come, or MI comes from the creative outlet, the same gene? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I heard that. I was thinking about it mm-hmm. as I was washing my face. Not necessarily that. that. <laughs> I wouldn't say that it comes from the same place, but it was a very interesting note that made me think about... The whole ideology of an expressive outlet. Just people who have... I almost want to say more struggle or more turmoil in life. Have more to gain from their artistic outlet. And kind of that, because they have more to gain from it, they dedicate more into it. If that makes sense. I would see it as the opposite. Like, Mm -hmm. we were talking today, like, we... 
if you don't go through an awkward phase growing up, <laughs> then you don't understand the struggle or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> and you kind of have everything handed to you. But it was all coming from people who were like ugly duckling fledgling swans. Mm. Ugly duckling fledgling swans. But, yes. Or maybe oh it's my like God. something we have to go through mm. to get to the true creativity. Like mm. you have to break down and know your mental. Exactly, but it's also not saying that people who don't have this word stage can't be creative. Mm-hmm. But yeah, are you looking at it like... Which I was always the weird kid. I started hitting puberty when I was like nine. So I was like the earliest of bloomers when I started getting acne and my voice started cracking. Yeah. So like I was always just a weird kid largely because of that. <laughs> However, like... Once I got to around 7th or 8th grade... That's when I realized that I had a lot of artistic outlet through both theater and poetry. Well, when did the mental health stuff, like, really come into play? Honestly, it was that young. I was... And then, but were you self-aware at that point? To an extent. Like I said, it was almost in the sense that, like, I knew that... I had awareness of everything that I was thinking. I just didn't realize that wasn't something that everybody thought yet. Right? It it first came to my mind when I was maybe a... It's like a language you can speak, like parcel mouth. It was another thing that I found in Facebook, honestly. It was this high schooler. I was a a sophomore in high school at that point. I want to say he was a senior. He was, like, on his varsity football team. He was talking about... No, he was talking about how wonderful his life was. But he still struggles with chronic depression. Everybody gets depressed. Yes, depression is an emotion that one can feel like sadness or happiness. And how does function? But he was saying, on the other hand, depression on top of being a feeling is also an illness. And, a, and it's a completely different thing. Completely different one. And, and, and it's a completely different thing. You feel depressed when you lose a loved one. But having depression is when you feel that way even when everything is going right. Right? Today, mm-hmm. I was, like, the most suicidal I've been in a really long time. Do you need like, a dog? Yeah. I love a dog. <laughs> I love you so much. Thank you for being here. My pleasure. For staying here. I've been going through some stuff myself, too. So I, I wanted to die so bad today. Yeah, I'm just sitting there. It just hits you. Like, there's no reason. That's how it was for me when I first went to ALH. I know. I was back in the waiting room of the hospital, and I was charging up my phone, and I was like, if I walk out of these doors, I'm going to jump off a bridge. And it's just... And I didn't know why I felt that way. And that's the why. The why is the judgment, right? Mm -hmm. And then we judge, and we judge. And that's why we have, like, a this thing a word of the month like fucking Sesame Street but it's like for dialectical behavioral therapy so June is for judgment and if we had a judgment jar for every time someone made a judgment we'd have a million dollars to go towards our non-profit but instead we have the accountability jar not that hard on ourselves (laughs) (laughs) but yeah um, I haven't and I was telling Sheila and this is where it gets funny, <laughs> I think. <laughs> Whatever. Silver linings, okay. Um, I like that. I was like, Sheila, 
I just love you and Parker so much because Parker um, stopped me from like really going through with my suicidal ideation to the next level and she'll never know it mm-hmm. until she listens to the show. And while I was saying that, I went, I got my um, tattoo removal thing today on my wrist. Okay. So it's it's a podcast, right? You can't see this, but my wrist is wrapped yeah, up. Yeah, your wrist is all gauzed up yes. right now. I, I was <laughs> you were wondering a little bit about it earlier. I was telling Sheila, and then I, she was like, Hey, do you need to fucking lead with that or something? <laughs> what did you say? She, you led with, I wanted to die today. And then I look at your wrist and I'm like, what's oh, the bandage? Shit. What'd you do? You didn't even text me. I, didn't even I took a pill and bees. Call. Oh, God. No. School. <laughs> I'm sorry, is it too soon for that? I'm pretty sure it is. I don't I even forgot. care if it's too soon for that. I, I hate that song with a passion. But well, he died. He did die. That's true. I forgot about that. I know. That's what I just said. I forgot about that. He just recently died. He was on 20. suicide. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he cut himself open. And people don't Whatever. think that this is real. Like it's real. Yeah, it happens. it's out exactly. there. It's big people happen, and like it's so it baffles me that when it happens to a celebrity or something, it's like oh so tragic. So what do you guys mm. want to eat for lunch mm. today? Oh, and here, it's like totally is, just blown over. Here's a huge question. Go for it. Have you and Sheila back me up on this if you want to rephrase it differently or add? Because I actually really want you to add to this because you mm. are the reason why people ask me this question, woman. So just imagine I'm someone else. Hey, I've heard mm. about this WANA organization really like focusing on mental health and advocacy and you know, building this new, um, I don't know, dialogue, but you're around a bunch of crazy-ass people. How the fuck are y'all gonna do anything? Y'all can't even keep it together, you gotta go to the hospital. All the time. I don't feel... Nobody treats... We're being theater right now. Uh, What would you do? I mean, I'm... I'm a very well-composed person. I've gotten into, like... I've tried to at least get into rational conversations with people, like, protesting gay marriage on the side of the road outside of a Blue October concert. You know, you try, you do mm-hmm. your best. So, I mean, just... There's nothing you can do other than try to... Try to open up a lot of people's minds and convince them that... You being together what, is... That what we have is not who we are. Bomb. Exactly. Mm-hmm. I agree to that to an extent. My am I what I am diagnosed with? Mm-hmm. To me, feels like I am an Aries. I am these things. I wake up every day and mm-hmm. I look at my horoscope and say, "All right, am I going to believe this, or am I going to go do something else?" Like, yes, I identify as Aries. I identify mm-hmm. as someone with bipolar disorder and PTSD mm-hmm. and OCD symptoms and like general like well, and all of that, which I fully agree with. It's yeah. just, as, like I said earlier, uh, depression, anxiety, OCD, PTSD, while all those are factors that play into who I am, they still do not define me. <laughs> what do you think, Sheila? Same. I mean, like, it's, I get more lost on myself if I try to separate the two. Like, mm-hmm. if I try to be like, my depression is not me, um... No, it's... But it's so sucking. It is, but that's the whole reason why we have these conversation pieces, so that the whole term MI doesn't <coughs> suck anymore. Mm-hmm. So right. when I come to terms with the fact that I have depression, and it affects my relationships with people, which it does. When I'm, like, telling myself, 
not to, you know, act a certain way because it's irrational. Not everyone has to sit there and battle their own brain to be like, don't be irrational, don't be mm-hmm. irrational, right. don't be irrational. I have to recognize that that's something I might have to go through that someone else might not have to go through, but mm-hmm. it's not who I am. I'm not, not everything in my life do I contemplate, you know, mm-hmm. my mental health on. So it is, it plays a factor in, in who I am, but it's not who I am. Mm-hmm. What would your family say, like, if you said that, like what you just told us? I've actually had this conversation with both of my parents. Um, the first time I had it, um, this is actually my second time being homeless. Um, the first time my mom kicked me out, it was, I want to say May of 2015, and I was traveling for about a year at that point. I had a car at that point. Um, so when you say traveling and homelessness, do you mean traveling as being homeless or something I'm, different? How would I, I was homeless at that point. If I had a place to live, I would live there. Um, at that point, I was trying to stay close to my girlfriend because she wanted to move back to Lafayette. Yeah. And I wanted to move up to Oregon because I had an opportunity up there with a professional jeweler and metallurgist who I'm friends with who wanted to offer me an apprenticeship after he'd seen some of the welding work that I'd done in high school. You're such an Easter egg. Okay, <laughs> go on. <clears throat> but uh, I was trying to stay in Texas and trying to stay close. So I was just kind of bouncing from town to town, seeing what I could while I still stayed close enough to move her back to Lafayette. Mm -hmm. And then, coincidentally enough, my car broke down about a week before she ended up, like, being able to finally move. Yeah. And, uh, at that point I got stuck in Granbury, Texas for about three months. Um, I did a month in jail out there. I'd go further and... You know what? I feel like it's appropriate enough. Um, this sounds really bad. No, that's a judgment. No. It, it, judgment free. This though. sounds really bad. It was an animal cruelty charge. Oh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, if we're going to open up, a family member of mine had something similar, but not in that arena, that mm-hmm. carries the same taboo, because mm-hmm. overall you are what you are. Mm-hmm. Hey, well, let's do an exit with Sheila real quick. Okay. All right. So, Sheila made her exit... Without actually recording the exit. (laughs) (laughs) So, welcome back to We Are No Alamo. This is Paige Whalen. Nope. And this is Shaggy DuPont. I am back for a a little bit of a revisit. Yes. So, background information. Before Sheila made her exit, um, Shaggy and I had a different conversation, or a separate conversation outside. Unfortunately, my technology savviness kind of stops at a certain point, so I'm kind of glad that that interview <laughs> was so quick. So, let me, since we're starting this over, do you want to, like, finish that story about, like, the animal cruelty charge that we talked about outside? Um, where did that conversation leave off? Because I was, I was saying, like, hey, there's this taboo of, like, yeah, homeless people or, like, um, you know, societal thought um, that, you know, you have dogs as a homeless person, mm-hmm. like, they're obviously just using those dogs. I feel like in, in some cases, that is true. I've seen homeless right. people who have, like, you know, five, six dogs. And at that point, you can tell it's... Um, I believe when we last talked, I mentioned uh, the one lady who walked up to me in the store and was like, is that your dog outside? And I was like, yeah. And she handed me 20 bucks, and she was like, this is for your dog. I don't really care what happens to you. 
Yeah, I remember that. But yeah, shortly after that, the other lady walked up. And Let me just say right now that Panda, my little poodle, is totally in Shaggy's lap. Loving on me. So loving on you. Okay, so the woman said... Um, this other lady walked up and was like, I heard that, and I am so sorry. She gave me another $20, and she was like, this is, nobody deserves to be talked to like that. You are a person, and I care what happens to you. Aw, good. Hey, pictures. So. I'm trying to take a picture of you. Um, kind of the background behind the story, um... I had originally gotten Jake when I was traveling through Fort Worth because my MIs were just getting to be too much to handle on top of all the life stresses of being homeless and traveling and just trying to settle down and right. make a life with everything else going on. Exactly. And I was, there were nights that I'd fully planned on killing myself in my car before I got to sleep. Right. So. So... I ended up getting Jake while I was in Fort Worth, and then I traveled with him for another six months or so, and uh, it got to the point that when my car broke down in Granbury, Texas, yeah, I'd bring him... I was staying with uh, some friends who lived in a trailer park out there, and the trailer park manager was like, yeah, no, sorry. You're not on the lease over here, so you kind of go. And I was like, well, can Tony watch after Jake for me? Yeah. And she was like, well, Jake's too big. He violates the rules of the trailer park. It was this, like, messed out, horrible, horrible place. A lot of people were getting big dogs there to train them to fight, so they had to put that rule kind of into place. And whenever I was going out and trying to make money during the day, I'd bring Jake with me. I'd leave him and, you know, I'd sit there playing music. And he was just super friendly and wanted to love on everybody who walked by. And I was just trying to make money to get by and feed Jake myself and make enough money to get my car fixed so that I could get out of that little shithole of a town and keep on moving on with life. Right. And it got to the point that the places I was going told me, like, sorry, we're getting complaints to management and even corporate about your dog. So the places that I was going out to play at, there was a a McDonald's, like um, I want to say it might have been a Michael's, a bunch of different places. Yeah. Eventually started telling me like, yeah, dude, I'm sorry. We don't have a problem with you being here, but we've been getting complaints specifically about the dog. So you can't bring them with you anymore. And after so many places like that, it got to the point that it was still it was still pretty early in the year. It was um, late February, so, you know, it should have been cold outside. Yeah. And uh, one day it was just unseasonably warm. And because I had to leave Jake in the car while I was going out and playing music to try to get out of, our, out of that spot... Just, uh, one day I came back to my car to check on him, and while I was out, he passed. Oh, and man. I found him, and I tried to shake him awake, and I went running across the street from where I was parked to where that trailer park was, yelling and screaming, like, somebody please come help me. Somebody please come help. I think Jake is dead. Somebody help. And 
apparently the landlady out there heard me yelling and screaming and said she didn't like me anyway. She called the police, and then next thing I know, like... You're getting charged with shit for something you love so much. I, I'm sitting outside of my car. I borrowed a shovel from one of the guys in the trailer park, and I was going to... I didn't even have an extra blanket to wrap them in, so I got a couple of trash bags, and I put them in those, and I was going to bring them out to the woods and bury them. And while I was pulling them out of my car, I want to say uh, three cruisers pulled up. And then after those three, by the end of the night, I want to say it was either seven or nine cop cars, probably in the neighborhood of like 10 to 15 officers, that's excessive. Yeah. Thanks, tax dollars. You you helped. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, they were sitting there, uh, and, you know, they made me pull the bag off of him to check what was in there. Mm-hmm. And then, like, I got the first bag, like, halfway off of his top, and I just started breaking down and freaking out, going back into full-scale panic anxiety attacks. And they got the bag kind of the rest of the way off. And uh, they were like, sorry, we had to do that. We had to make sure it wasn't like, you know, a gunshot or a stab. We had to make sure you didn't actually kill him. And then they read me my rights. And they started asking me... That's confusing of them. I mean, it was after that. It was before they had officially started questioning me. So at that point, like, you know, they were like, anything you say can and will be used against you. Because, like, at this point, they have the evidence to... Give me a charge on something. So, I'm sitting there, uh, surprisingly enough, they didn't end up cuffing me. But I'm sitting there just, like, kind of over Jake, and they're asking me, like, so how did this happen? Do you feel like it was your fault? And I'm sitting there, and I'm like, you know, the world's fucking nicest guy to start with, and I love this animal. I can attest to this. And I'm in the middle of, like, having a fairly severe panic attack. I need panic attacks again. And I'm just like, yes, oh my god, yes, I killed my best friend. Uh, He's dead because of me. I'm the worst person on earth. I can't believe this happened. I was just trying to make everything better for both of us, and he's gone now because of me. And, uh, they ended up letting me go that night, and they said that, uh, you know, pretty much either they'd be in touch or they wouldn't, and it was March 1st. I was sitting in McDonald's. I'd just gotten breakfast. Yeah. Um, I ate my sandwich. I think I was having, like, an ice cream or something. Yeah. And I'm like... Halfway through on the flurry, whenever... Isn't that crazy I, how after stuff like that, you're, like, hyper, hyper aware and... I stepped outside for a cigarette, and then all of a sudden, police roll up, and they're like, Hey, Spencer DuPont? No way. Come with us. How did they know where you were? Like, did they put a GPS here in my flurry? I mean, Jeez. I was homeless. I had my spots, you know? I had the spots where I'd go out and play. I had the spots that I frequented in my friends' houses. So it's like they didn't have a whole lot of places where they'd have to check. Most they were all in walking distance. Yeah, of course. Okay. So I'm sitting outside having a cigarette with uh, my friend Tanya out there. Whenever they roll up, and I'm like, "Hey, you mind running back inside to grab like 
all my worldly belongings for me before I go to jail. My bag. <laughs> my bag and my instrument and then like everything else was in my car, which luckily the people at one of the churches there um, told me that like, you know, since you can drive it for about two blocks and since you're just parked across the street and they're threatening to tow you now, you can just like drive it across the street and park in back of the church and nobody's going to bother you back there. So that's kindness on another level for me. Mm-hmm. Good. And verse. I just want to tell people who are not here. Shaggy is having Panda like lick him on the face now. Pippa's at his feet. So cute. I can't. Also, Shaggy wears Jake's. Uh, I still wear his tag. Yeah, his vaccination yeah. tag. Yeah, I'm so glad that you do that. Because if that had gotten swollen around your backpack, I bet that would have been, like, the worst. I lost it once in a parking lot. No, it's like a wedding ring. I was wearing it on one of my bracelets. And uh, I had a moped at that point in time. It was my friend's apartment. I pull into the parking lot. And, like, once I get upstairs... No, I don't even think it was once I got upstairs. I think it might have even been, like, a day or two later while I was at home. I was like, wait, where's this tag? It was on my bracelet. Oh, fuck. And there was one other guy in that apartment complex who drove a moped, so he had, like, you know, his half a spot that he took up. Yeah. So whenever I was over there, I'd just share that half a spot with him. Right. So, I go over there, and I pull into my spot, and, like, as I'm putting down my kickstand, you know, I'm looking down at my foot, and I see something on the ground, and it's his tag. And apparently it had fallen off of the bracelet as I was taking my gloves off getting off the bike. So after yes. that, I went and pocketed it and found a chain to put it on the next time I went home. That's awesome. That's, like, you're not the first that I've seen it. Dogs are, like, literally mm-hmm. a second appendage his, for your life. I kept life. his bandana, too, but that got lost in the move. Uh, so the bandana you're wearing right now is... Yeah, I've got a whole collection of bandanas, but he had a purple one. Cool. Mm-hmm. I love that. And I'd normally wear that, like, under whatever hat I was wearing. Yeah. That's wild. Okay. So, let's pause it real quick. Because, like we said before, Shaggy's back! And it's been, what, like, the lapse in recording is so perfect. I'm kind Mm -hmm. of really happy that technology sucks. (laughs) So we're going to stop it there. But we are going to have an updated podcast that I will post up here in a little bit just so you guys can get the whole story so remember our house rules use your accountability jar no apologies unless they go against your actual morals or beliefs and be kind or leave right Shaggy definitely definitely house rules house rules are bomb also remember, guys, we love you, and if you are ever suicidal or having suicidal ideations or just need help, you know, how many times have you called this lifeline, Jenny? I personally never have. I've always been lucky enough to have a really good support network of close friends who, m- most of them I view as more of family than the people I've got blood with. That's a good, mm-hmm. awesome addition. If you are not that lucky... I'm exactly. so happy you're lucky. A lot of people aren't that fortunate. I, I've just... Something about me draws people in, and I've been lucky enough to find those connections with other people like me. 
that's awesome. So, the Lifeline or your support system will provide 24-7 free and confidential support as well as prevention and crisis resources. Thanks for being a part of our lives. Again, that Lifeline number is 1-800-273-8255, 1-800-273-8255. Remember, you're not alone, and what? We're no Alamo, right? Yep. Hashtag wanna. All right. I'm Paige. If I didn't write it down, I'll plead the fifth Waylon and Shaggy. Shaggy D. Shaggy D. What is your, ooh, let's, uh, where can we find you on social media? Um, I am on Instagram and Tumblr, I believe, with the username Broken Hearts, Broken Kneecaps. Ah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, otherwise, you can find me on Facebook at Spencer DuPont, and I will be the only redheaded weirdo that you see going through there. That's a judgment, but... It's, it's an accurate bo- one. It's an accurate <laughs> one. It's bomb. All right, you guys. Ciao for now.